Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. (laughs) Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! (laughs) Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us and happy Friday, everybody. So typically, I do this with the crew and we introduce the crew, but we had an issue with technical problems. And as a result, I'm doing this solo. You would have missed a really fun banter like myself and co-host Brian Truitt talking about NBA 2K21 and how we have now both started playing this new My Team feature within the game where you collect cards of players and you assemble a fantasy team. And it's a lot of fun. And we'll talk more about it next time we're on together. But unfortunately, again, because of issues with tech, we lost it. And so now I'm doing this solo. So apologies, dear listeners, we will get it together next week. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome and rest assured this does not happen all the time. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. While you're on Apple Podcasts, it would be a slam dunk if you could write a quick review about the show. By doing that, you'll help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. And as a bonus, you can shout out on the next episode. Just don't write about this episode where we made the technical problems because, you know, this is a one-time thing. But anyway, uh, tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward. It's all upside for you. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod, or you can email MothershipPod at usatoday.com. Let's get to the main topic. Here's a clip. Welcome to NASA. You are, as of this moment, officially astronaut candidates. Someday people will write the history of this time. This is Jamestown Actual. Ten seconds. Mark. They will say that during the coldest depths of the Cold War, America inspired the world. Sweet dreams are made of these. I give you Pathfinder. It's three times as powerful as our current shuttles. I'm tired of talking about the good old days. That was from For All Mankind, the Apple TV Plus alternate history space drama that premieres its second season today. The show imagines the space race if Russia had gotten to the moon before America and the consequences that follow in the lives of astronauts and their families. The show stars today's special guest, Joel Kinnaman, who plays former spaceman and now head of the astronaut office, Ed Baldwin. You probably know Joel from TV shows like The Killing and House of Cards and movies such as Suicide Squad, as well as Robocop. Both Brian and myself recorded an interview with Joel earlier. Let's listen in. Thanks for being here with us. The 
first place we'll start is how are you doing so far during the pandemic? Um, well, actually, um, you know, of course, it's been, you know, it's been a whole year now. So it's, it's been a journey. Um, you know, I think uh, I was, you know, worried in the beginning. And uh, as the more information started to come in, I, I think apart from like worrying about other people and the world in general, I've actually had a really good year. You know, it's a, this has been a really good year. I, I really enjoyed the, the switch of pace and, uh, um, you know, refocusing on other things. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to, you know, business wise, I wasn't super affected. Um, and um, I wasn't, you know, worried about not being able to put food on the table. Uh, so, you know, I, I just been focusing on other things. It's, you know, I live kind of a small circle life anyway. And um, so a lot of things weren't that affected. Of course, uh, I would have wanted to travel more and see my family more. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I have to say it was, it was a pretty good year for me personally. In the first season of For All Mankind, Ed was one of the first astronauts to man America's lunar base. The second season starts with him back on Earth and heading up the astronaut program. What can you tell us about what's in store for him coming up? I've seen a few things, and he things get very dramatic even on Earth for him. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it was... Uh, um, so, you know, the first season ends uh, with a big family tragedy for the Baldwin family. And, uh, and then, of course, to, to the second season, we jump 10 years. And, uh, you know, as an actor, I'm sort of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, fiending to, to jump into the challenge of portraying this, you know, emotional heartache and, and, and devastation. Uh, that was, you know, the challenge that I was looking forward to with this character, knowing that he was going to go through this tragedy. And um, but, you know, when 10 years have passed, uh, you know, the, those wounds are never going to heal, but they're also not going to be on the surface. So. Uh, the writers created this path that I found really interesting. It was almost like difficult to deal with at first because when we first meet him in the second season, Baldwin seems almost more at peace than he's ever been. And he's now taking over Deke's job. He's head of the astronaut program. He's really focusing his time and, and, and on his family. And, and he's given up sort of his own dream to reach further into space. But then as the season uh, you know goes along and, and the, the Cold War is reaching a boiling hot point and space becomes the main arena uh baldwin finds himself in right in the the thick of of things so the show starts in 1969 and now we're in 1983 what was mm -hmm. that like figuring out what you'd look like how you'd move more than a decade after going to the moon yeah it's interesting you know and, and doing the jump from like 40 to 50 um is interesting because you know that jump can you know look very different for different people you know some people that take care of themselves that train and eat good uh you know i think at 50 probably in pretty similar shape to 40. uh might take a little take a few more stretches in the morning i i guess you know to to, to get going but um uh i also had the uh you know, some, sometimes these, these things don't always line up the way you plan them. But uh, I was shooting the new Suicide Squad at the same time as I was from Mankind, where I started shooting uh, Suicide Squad like a month before. 
So in that thing, I had to be in a very particular kind of shape. So uh, Baldwin, uh, he seemed to be dealing with his grief and rough time by by training a lot because uh, he, he beefed up <laughs> a little bit <laughs> from, from 40 to 50. And uh, uh, yeah, so he's in pretty good physical shape, uh, but his knees are hurting a little bit more. I didn't, I didn't actually didn't do uh, that much physical transformation. I think, uh, you know, you, you, you're going to see a bigger transformation when we go deeper into the seasons and, and we continue to age on this show. Hey, building up, uh, building up from 40 to 50 is better than what I'm doing, which is eating my way <laughs> to 50. So. <laughs> Good for him. I think that is, that, that is more the common trajectory, you know? So I wanted to, I wanted to show something original here, you know? <laughs> uh, you know, For All Mankind is a show that's changed one thing in history, Russia getting to the moon first. And it's created a butterfly effect where a lot changed after that. For you, what's the most interesting historical change, either big or small, that the series has mentioned or explored? Um, yeah, I mean, th th that's kind of the beauty of this show. It, it, you know, on the one hand, it's sort of a historical show because, you know, we go back in time. And uh, but at the same time, because we're playing with this alternate history uh, universe, this alternate timeline, uh, we also have the creative freedom of you know any sci-fi show or any you know any completely fictional show where um so you know the the writers can pick and choose a little bit um i thought i thought it was uh, uh real sneaky how in the first season how um um what's his name what kennedy was it uh ted, how ted, ted kennedy yeah. became uh became president and chappaquiddick didn't did never happen there was there, i don't remember exactly what instance it was in the, in the first season that did that uh ted kennedy didn't go to chappaquiddick and, and didn't have that accident and um uh in the second season i'm trying to remember i, I can't pull one out of yeah it's it's too much of a spoiler i think so yeah um uh, I'll have to pass on that question. <laughs> <laughs> so did you miss doing the space stuff when you came back to film the second season? Um, you know, there was, yeah, I, I can't, I can't say too much because I'll reveal what, uh, initially in the, uh, second season, there was no space stuff for me, but who's to say what happens down <laughs> the line of the season. Um, yeah, you know, th there's one thing that is not super comfortable is doing uh, wire work. Um, and that's what we do to, to simulate zero gravity. It has a, a very particular way of uh, just really, uh, you know, you give yourself a real significant wedgie and, uh, and you hang in something with your whole body weight that always seem to be crushing your balls. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky, and then you're gonna, you have to lie and, and, you know, and you're, you're supposedly floating, right? But your balls are getting crushed and then you have to say your lines and, and pretend like you're in zero gravity while your balls are getting crushed. So, um, it, 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 it is a little fun too. It's a fun challenge, but it, you know, getting your balls crushed is never a, you know, a nice, pleasant thing. So there, there wasn't too much of that, but. It, it did it did uh did happen as a kid you know you you were probably pretty young you know in the early 80s when you know kind of the show, show takes place in the second season were you fascinated by astronauts in the odd cosmos back then or were your biggest interests less out of this world at that point yeah I, you know i think for me it, uh, i think i grew up in a generation where 
not much was really happening in, in terms of space exploration. And, you know, it was, I was born 10 years after the moon landing. And so when I was 10 years, you know, it was 20, it, it been, we landed on the moon like 20 years ago. So it was something that happened in like in the distant uh, history and, um, and nothing interesting or exciting had happened since. We have not even gotten close to doing something like that again. So I think I grew up with this uh, kind of um, unenthusiasm for for space travel and, you know, what, what are we doing? You know, what, why, how come we're not going deeper into space? We're, you know, 20 years past that and we have so much more technology. But as a, you know, as a species, we haven't been able to muscle, you know, enough energy or, or innovation to, to go deeper and further into space. So, you know, I think I was, I was not, I didn't really have that dream of becoming an astronaut. I, I thought it was, you know, it sounded really cool. And we saw images of landing on the moon and the whole idea of it, that was fascinating. I thought, you know, science fiction was fascinating. Um, but what was actually going on, it wasn't, it was never part of like what I dreamt of wanting to be. And um, and I think that's sort of also a little bit of how this show originated. It, it was sort of that the space race ended in a way with, and it led to this sort of unfulfilled promise that after landing on the moon, we should you know continue this journey and reach further into space and uh, and you know keep exploring. I mean, that, I think that is very uh, you know at the core of the human nature of being an explorer and um and that's why it, it's also really exciting to be part of this show right now and getting to talk to people that are experts in the field while we're in the time era where we're now where there's such a resurgence in space exploration and and there's so much excitement in that arena thanks to you know elon musk and the, all these other sort of private um endeavors that now for the first time since the apollo era where it it's an exciting time and i think we're we're we're, we're on the verge of of uh, going further than we have before and um yeah so so that was a long answer to that question well i think you bring up a good point because i i we we got to the moon first and we kind of stopped but us taking the l got you know a fire under our to like, okay, well, we got to go better. We got to put a lunar base on the moon. We got to do this. We got to do that. And then, you know, it create it created a real space race in the show. And like, and they're yeah. talking about Mars in the seventies, and we're you know we're we're not even there yet, and it's to twenty twenty one. So I think that's a really interesting way to look at you know just us losing how how much just us losing would cause us to you know to be more competitive in every way. Yeah, I mean that that is the the the. the sneaky little uh, way into to the premise of, of our show it's uh it, it was you know the, the space race was i think it started actually because ron moore had this idea of you know creating a you know sort of a madman ish uh, show but that took place in nasa in the uh you know, in the late 60s, early 70s. But then they came to the realization that that is kind of a sad story because everything was exciting leading up to the moon landing. But after that, the story of NASA is one of, you know, de-escalation and losing funding, losing public interest, and then uh, and then just kind of, uh, uh, you know, those dreams disappearing, you know, and, 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 it, and it ended up, you know, nothing more ended up happening. And... Um, so the idea was that, you know, how could we 
continue the space race? What, what story do we have to tell where the space race didn't end, how it escalated instead? And the premise that they came up with was, well, what if the Soviets beat us to the moon? And that that would light, light a fire under the of all, you know, all Americans. And, um, and, you know, what would we have to do then to prove to the world and to the Soviets that we are a superior system of government? Because that's really what the space race was about. The race to the moon was about at, at that time. It was to prove to the world which it was a competition of of what system was best, and uh, and sort of that was what at stake. So, um, so, so that that's you know what the show is. That's how the alternate timeline starts. That the it starts with the Soviets beating us to the moon, and by doing that, they set off this much bigger race. Uh, that doesn't end, and and now we have to really go much further to prove to the world that that we are the superior system. So you mentioned earlier filming Suicide Squad. Um, after the release of that first film, did you ever think you'd be able to return to this world again? Um, to, to the Suicide Squad world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did. It, you know, it was a, it was a big financial success. So um, I, I knew that there was immediate plans of. of uh, of redoing it, but then everyone was trying to figure out the, the best version of it. And then it kind of uh, got quiet for a while. And and then, you know, after a couple of years, we were wondering, like, maybe I wonder how they're going to pull this together. But uh, and then when uh, when James Gunn came on board, it, you know, the whole thing got so much energy. And, you know, we were really lucky to to get James on board and, you know, having him write it. Um, and and so you know he created this sort of soft reboot or what, what you want to call it where it's you know some of the characters you know mine included are you know from the original uh installment but tonally it's a big shift and uh um <laughs> a very big shift it's uh it's a very very silly uh movie very very silly humor ridiculous characters and um but it's you know really exciting and fun and and but really violent, gory. Uh, I mean, James Gunn just ha he's got such a handle on the genre, so he can real he he knows how much license he can take and how far he can push things. He just has an incredible intuition with those things. So you know he write it, it's it, it's very comedic. You know when I read the script, like every page was funny, and. Um, yeah, and, and and he also he also finds a way to make it moving and 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 you know surprisingly moving at times and yeah and and he's able to put a silver toilet on John Cena's head and uh, and you know that's and it becomes pretty awesome you know well and and the squad's gotten bigger and added some famous faces you mentioned Cena Idris Elba there's a very large shark man this time around um, yep. Rick Flag spent much of the first movie exasperated and stressed out. <laughs> pretty much the whole time is that pretty yeah. much par for the course again um i'm much less of a plot donkey this time um <laughs> <laughs> in the first movie I, I i did a lot of like all right we're gonna you know go up this building and on top of that building you know then the uh you know this is gonna happen and then when we get up there this is gonna happen and everyone understand that <laughs> okay the audience understands that okay let's go you know i, I did a lot of that in, in the first one um um it's a, I think it's a more comedic version of, of the character. Um, I, I felt like I was in, it was the first time I was in a comedy. And, you know, and I am definitely like the, the straight man for sure. But, uh, but, you know, it really gave me a lot of respect for 
comedians and uh and you know they make a lot of these guys that are really good at it you know like paul rudd for example like he's 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 one of the best straight men i've ever seen you know he just he can just say most ridiculous thing and you believe him you know you believe he's in that universe and he makes it look so easy you know he doesn't always play the straight man of course but but when he does he's so good at it and um yeah it, I, I was i was struggling with it it was it was not easy and uh but it was really great it was great to have you know such a a great guide uh as a director you know that could really guide me through that and help me find the tone and uh, you know there were takes where there were, you know scenes where i would take a lot of takes and then and then after a while i started finding my way into it and and we get it a little quicker but uh yeah it was um it was it was a, it was a it was a great challenge i really i really enjoyed it and it was cool to also get that experience of, of really understanding how much skill is behind making it look so easy i have to say plot donkey is now my new favorite term so that's I'm a, yeah, that's that a great term that's a great term to say for and i knew exactly what he was talking about too he's like yeah he was a master of exposition that first time around <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so so what's what's next for you with your career? What do you what do you have going on right now? Well, um, I'm uh, we're about to uh, go shoot the uh, third season of uh, For All Mankind, and um, I'm also uh, doing a few episodes on uh, In Treatment, the new installment of In Treatment on HBO, and uh, that takes me to the sort of the end of the year and. Um, and then I, I have a couple of movies that uh, I'm looking at, and uh, and then we'll see, we'll, we'll see. I, I I really like to to mix it up. I, you know, I come from the theater, and and I think you know drama is my sort of home field, home turf. Um, but I have uh, over the course of me moving to the states and building my career over here, I really enjoy doing like action as well. So. I, I'm definitely um, looking to do something in that space as well. Um, but I think I might try to develop it myself, and um, and then we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see. I have I have a few things you know under contract that that keeps uh, you know that I come back to, and uh, and then I try to mix it up. I try to do you know small independent films, independent projects that you know maybe pushes me a little bit more creatively and um and then i i, I like going in between the, these kind of bigger projects and smaller where you focus on a little bit different things but then you know i've been saying for for five years that uh, i'm going back to stage uh but that actually was my plan i was uh fully aiming to to go to new york and and doing something on stage right before the pandemic hit and uh so I think uh, I think that's what I'm when when the theaters open back up again. I think uh, I think it's sort of a duty as an actor to to go and support the theater and um, and to do what you can to to revitalize. You know, everyone everyone needs to to, to sort of support these uh, you know these industries that have been uh, um, mostly hit by the by the pandemic. And for me, that the you know the the theater is so important, but you know I haven't, I haven't been on stage for ten years, so I'm also terrified. <laughs> but uh, I think that, so that'll be a good thing. And I've actually never played theater in English, so um, I think uh, now I I can speak good enough to go on stage. 
Do you have a dream role? Like if you if if anybody you could play anything on stage, any kind of master English speaking role, what would you take? Well, I have all these old dreams, you know, that these kind of dreams that I had when I started out, and um, and you know, the, the, it's like Eugene O'Neill you know, doing Long Day's Journey into Night. Uh, probably too old to play Edmund, but you know, play Jim <laughs> would be great. But um, I don't know if that's really my dream right now. I've done a lot of characters that have dealt with addiction, and you know, not to say that I'm never going to do that again, but. Um, I think I got to figure out what my what my new dream is, and I, uh, yeah, and uh, I might want to do something more modern, something more uh, that's here and now. Um, I'm not I'm not too interested in sort of avant garde theater. I really like uh, that's why I like American theater uh, a lot more than you know German or other European theaters where it's more expressionistic. That never really was my thing. I it all I, I never really understood the metaphors. I, I really like to explore relationships and, you know, personal problems more than on a trying to uh, express some grander political ideas. Um, so I don't know. I got to figure out what I, what stories I want to be part of telling. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was great having you and best of luck on uh, everything you're working on and all your future endeavors. And stay safe. Thanks so much. Yeah, you too. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. So that was Joel Kinnaman. Don't forget, you can catch them on the TV series For All Mankind on Apple TV+. So listeners, have you watched this show yet? Are you going to start using words like plot donkey as I'm going to start using from here on out? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, or you can tweet at us directly. I am at BrettMolina23. We're going to wrap it up here. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producer of the Mothership this week, Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other people find the show, and we really like the feedback. If Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next week, nerds out. Nerds out.